Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, 3 Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Gavin Newsom admits he had to clean up San Francisco for that big summit between Biden and Xi Jinping. He had to clean it up because it's a disaster. The new Marvel movie, Captain Marvel, whatever it's called, is the worst Marvel movie yet, according to the New York Post. As Disney continues to destroy what was once one of the most profitable and entertaining franchises ever, Marvel. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. That's actually a perfect segue to begin. And welcome back to the show as he joins us every Friday. The author of the new upcoming book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, Dr. Wilfred Riley. What's up, Doc? Not much. What's going on, Rich? Well, I was going to go see, I was thinking about possibly seeing the Marvels this weekend, but then I read the review in the New York Post, and oof, does that sound bad? They're saying it is the absolute worst Marvel movie yet. Uh, It's just, I mean, it's so bad. It's like what we talk about all the time. They keep destroying these things. Yeah, well, I mean, there. I think we've both said there are two elements to this. One is that mainstream entertainment's getting unwatchably woke. And part two is just the blatant money grab aspect of it. So I think you said this is the Marvels, which follows like Captain Marvel, which follows the appearance of Captain Marvel in some other movie. I think it was Infinity War. So, I mean, basically the Hollywood philosophy is, you know, if we know something, even if it's a turkey, is going to bring in $260 million on up, we're just going to produce that. So that's why you get these infinite reductions. Like it's Spider-Man, but this time he's Puerto Rican. (laughs) <laughs> his girlfriend's bisexual like it's it's the same kind of crap because you understand that you're going to get a packed audience in there and that as uh, as we once said is why they're not going to make like a Bhagavad Gita movie if they want minority actors or something like that 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's so true. It, 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 and they don't care about storytelling anymore either, I think. You're right. It's just about throwing in the money. But I will say that uh, as much as I can't stand her as a person, Brie Larson, she does make a very attractive Captain Marvel. I will give her that. But I think at one point she said something like, I didn't make this movie for uh, white men to watch or something like that when she did the first Captain Marvel movie. I mean, already telling people we don't want you to be part of the audience. Always a great business strategy, right? to tell people we don't want you to come and and watch our movie? Well, I think this kind of thing is actually sort of complicated. Like, every radical feminist I know has a partner who's a kind of dominant businessman who just thinks radical feminism is funny. So, I mean, in practice, most people probably fall into pretty traditional human roles, like most upper-class people certainly do in their own lives. So I don't think Brie Larson, who, as I recall, you know, happily married and you know, has a huge fan club and all that, really cares who watches her movie. I think she wants as much money as possible. But the, the problem is that you're expected to kind of virtue signal to this new religion. So a whole bunch of people say stuff like that. Like the actress in Snow White said she always hated the Snow White story. And this time there wasn't going to be a prince and Snow White's going to be like a career woman training as a paralegal and so on. And I, I don't know if she expected that to go viral outside her bubble because of people laughing at it. I think it was not meant sincerely, but when normal people hear that, they kind of think, well, it's $30 to go to the movies. Now, why, why would I do that? Why would I watch this one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to you got to kind of motivate me here if I want to if I want to come uh, and 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 see your money and and pay money. My my hard-earned money, you got to give me a reason for it. And if you already begin by saying you don't like me, that doesn't that doesn't help. Uh let me ask you this now. In terms of of San Francisco, they're about to have a a big summit there with world leaders and they're racing to clean up the city and and Gavin Newsom was forced to admit this that they had a they had to clean it up, you know, because of all the homelessness and the crime and the, and the poop on the streets and everything else like this. I, I, I don't know. If I were living there, I'd be a little annoyed. It's like, you won't clean up a city for me. I pay taxes here, but you'll clean it up so it looks good to Xi Jinping. Yeah, and I, I think that actually says something, because, I mean, this is, I think, the um, it's a primarily Asian nation summit. So you've got people from, like, China, Indonesia, India. And, you know, these are great countries, except for China. They're friends of ours. But it is kind of weird that a delegate from India would walk through an American city and say, God, this is filthy. How do these people live like this? So, I mean, that, that really kind of brings up what we've been doing. Like, all of this virtue signaling to, like, inner-city black communities and, like, purple-haired white radicals with firebombs in their hands and all this has resulted in crazy things that aren't tolerated anywhere in the world. Like, I've traveled really extensively in Latin America. I have friends from Europe. Like, there are very few countries where you're going to find a squatter camp full of adult men just hanging out on the sidewalk. I mean, that'd be cleared out by cops with, you know, four-foot iron batons. <laughs> so, yes, I would be annoyed if I were a San Franciscan. But I also think maybe there's a point here. Like, if people from third-world countries are walking through your city and thinking, you know, what a bleep hole, you, you really should consider voting Republican or just uh, for an ex-cop or something. I mean, you should switch that pattern up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little bit. Although they did vote for an ex-cop in New York City, Eric Adams, and now the FBI has raided his house and is taking his phones. And uh, I, I think it's it's no surprise that he was also very critical of the Obama uh, administration or Biden administration, I'd say, over their handling of the border situation. The timing of this seems a little bit suspect. But th then again, I, of course, I would not want to be a conspiracy, a conspiracy kind of a guy, you know. So 
Well, I mean, so first of all, I think Eric Adams, you know, I might lose my, my GOP credentials here, but I think Eric Adams for a mayor of New York is doing a pretty good job. Like, yeah, he's a former cop. He got murderers back down under, I think it's 400. To put that in context, Chicago's close to 1,000 every year if you're counting homicides. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to New York recently. It's getting no filthier than it ever was. Like, they, they still haven't discovered trash cans. But it's he's he's done a respectable job as mayor of New York. And I don't I don't think it's conspiratorial at all, by the way, to notice that when people offend the very powerful, they tend to lose their jobs or vanish or whatever else. I mean, like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself as a meme for a reason. Like, I, I frankly don't think Jeffrey Epstein did kill himself. Right. I mean, it's, you know, you got a guy in a escape-proof prison with 10-foot ceilings. He's a frail 70-year-old banker, and he hangs himself. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it, stuff like that happens. And I think everyone who studies political science or who just read you know, The Three Musketeers, read about the history of that kind of competitive world, is, is not surprised that things like that happen. You know, Dinesh D'Souza makes a movie arguing that Obama might be lying about his father and 14 days later, Mr. D'Souza becomes the only person ever indicted for giving $2,000 to a friend in a political race. Eh, you know, coincidence? Maybe. It's like uh, Bob Menendez. I mean, Bob Menendez, I, I've, I've been in Jersey politics a long time. I know the guy is one of the most crooked human beings on the planet. But the first time he was indicted was after he was critical of Obama for giving billions to Iran. And the second time he was indicted was when he was critical of Biden for giving billions to Iran. I mean, I don't think these, the, the timing here is just coincidental. No, I I don't either. I I think most things are known. Like I'm in like the leadership class in a mid-sized city, and I'm never going to name names. So like you kind of know who might have a close friend that's not their wife, or who you know might not be perfect with their taxes and always has some money to bet on the golf course or something. You just don't really care. But you know, all of a sudden, if that guy runs for mayor, you know, you might see something in the, the local papers. And this is just the varsity version of that, where. Obviously, if someone is in bed with the Arabs to the extent that he has a million dollars in gold under his bed, that's not an exaggeration for the audience. You know, there have got to be people aware of that. Is this guy really so closed-mouthed and sober he's never mentioned it? Right. So, you know, if he starts going out on a limb and accusing the president of being a crook, I mean, I don't like Biden, but I would be kind of looking at my phone like, calling me a crook? I'm going to ruin this SOB, you know? <laughs> so that, that's, that's what happens in politics. And it's kind of just like if you live in if you live in a glass house yourself, don't throw stones. Like if you're some Christian guy from the South who's married to your high school sweetheart, you know John Stone has taken down a lot of people in politics, and no one's ever gotten him. But if you are Newt Gingrich or Bill Clinton or Bob Menendez or Jesse Jackson, you should keep your mouth shut because someone might indict you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it. I mean, it's what they do. It's the government loves to punish its enemies. And then Dinesh D'Souza, you mentioned him. He's his new movie out called Police State about how this country has become a police state. And yeah, I mean, I've been saying that for years. I mean, you just you just have to look at how the government, that guy that Tucker Carlson sat down and interviewed, who was known on Twitter as Ricky Vaughn, who puts out a joking meme saying text Hillary to this number to vote. The dude's going to prison for 60 days for that. That is just outrageous in my opinion yeah the ricky vaughn case i mean so first of all yeah it's stupid i mean if he if he hadn't targeted one of the two people in a political in a presidential race no one would have cared about this this little guy who's a really funny guy by the way i i will say what both he and that asian american political blogger who also should be charged did is it's more a probationary offense he shouldn't go to prison but it was actually it was like more than a meme what he did was post like you know i think i'm switching parties 
It's very important we all get involved. And he gave this professional-looking number that linked to a burner phone, and he said, you know, it's very important that you text Hillary to this. You don't need to go vote in person. And apparently, I read the transcripts of that trial, like 50 idiots did. Now, the defense for Vaughn, which his lawyer should have been able to win the case, is that there's no evidence any of those people intended to vote in person. The whole point was that you couldn't do this if you wanted to. There's no evidence most of them were previous voters. But it's at least understandable that there's a criminal charge there. The thing is, though, again, if he hadn't offended a powerful person, no one's charging that. He does that in some local city council race. No one's charging that. So... If you know there's a skeleton in your closet, it's probably best to stay out of the very top levels of politics. This is actually why I would never run for office. Yeah, because you'll, they'll, you, you've done things. You're, you, you're going to make enemies. They're going to target you. I mean, I think, but I think, unfortunately, that's, a, that's the problem, though, right? A lot of people would be great. I think Wilford Riley would be an excellent uh, congressman or senator. But why would you want to put yourself through that? Why would you want to go through that? And that's a problem for America because right now we've got a lack of really talented people who are serving our country, and the ones who are there are there way too damn long. Yeah, I I think that actually, I mean, I've I've researched this professionally, like one of the reasons that people don't want to enter politics is that they understand it's a dirty game. I mean, like, I really, you never even know what people would dig up. Like, I can imagine some picture of like a high school fight or me standing like one of the raves that my friends used to throw, like shirtless, looking like an idiot, like suddenly becoming like the number one Google search for me if I ran for office. It's something, yeah, like I'm in a relationship. It's something you're very aware of. What, What does she do in college? You know, so that kind of stuff, like with Herschel Walker, where they like found out he had a an unclaimed son. Another one of his sons was gay and in need of money and ended up making these public statements about his father. Like in a big race, that stuff happens. Like they accused John McCain of having an illit- illegitimate African-American child. So this, this is kind of a sideline that we got onto. But, yeah, when you go into politics, like you have to be aware that this stuff's going to happen. I mean, you know, Trump's been accused of, I'm going to say, quote-unquote rape. It was almost all, like, we made out on a plane, and later I decided I didn't like it. But by 23 women so far. You know, had had big Trump stayed in the business world, does this ever happen? Does he ever get labeled racist? Does he ever get... Do they start looking at his taxes from 1989 or claiming that he paid too much in taxes because he was overvaluing his properties? Like, this kind of stuff, it emerges when it emerges, and it emerges for a reason. That's not conspiratorial. Yeah, no, there's no no question about it. Dr. Wilford Riley's with me. He is, of course, the author of the book Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, available now for pre-order. You should do that because it's going to be a great book. Uh, Barry Weiss, I know you know Barry very well. Mm-hmm. She has a new piece that came out, and she said, End DEI. It's not about diversity, equity, or inclusion. It is about arrogating power to a movement that threatens not just Jews, but America itself. Your thoughts on that? Well, one thing I think about this, and I, I love Barry. I consider Barry a friend. We worked together on the uh, kind of senior executive team for FAIR, which Barry, frankly, started. I mean, you may know there have been some back and forth to that group. But I, I do think that one of the things that people have to understand who are kind of normie liberals is that this isn't just something that began with anti-Semitism. So I, I think that a lot of people have been, quote-unquote, peaked over the past couple of weeks because you've seen, like, college DEI officers actually arrested for like stumping for terrorist groups like the person that hit that elderly jewish man over the head with a megaphone at that recent march and killed him frankly i mean it should be at least a negligent homicide charge or probably a murder charge that was a college professor so I, I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying these people are complete lunatics like they're 
you know, Jew-hating nut jobs. They'll endorse the left even when they back, you know, genocidal foreign regimes. But this didn't start with Jewish people. I mean, like, the people in the DEI sector, if you look at Ibram Kendi, Patrice Colors, Robin DeAngelo, so on down the line, have been saying stuff like this about white people. That's a big one. But black conservatives, gender-critical women, the rich. You know, there shouldn't be billionaires eat the rich. Like, 55% of the country, 60% of the country or more for a long period of time. So, yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously, the DEI movement is not about getting exactly proportional racial representation and then training everyone to the highest level of excellence, even if that means kind of abusing the minority kids a little bit at first, like four hours of study a day. That's what the Marines do. What the DEI movement is about is kind of setting up sinecures for unqualified people. You know, I mean, it's you know, getting the white representation in most businesses down below 50%. That's a common diversity goal. It's about left-wing political activism in most cases. Like, most people aren't racist. So, I mean, if you're a boss and you just want to hire 10% black guys, all you have to do is hire 10% black guys. You don't need a guidebook on how to do that. Yeah, you don't need a guidebook to do that, but yet you have to also not only get a guidebook, you got to watch videos, you got to you got to sit through these trainings, and all it does is wind up turning people against each other all the time and making these situations in the office very very tense where you don't even know I mean, I, there more I don't know if it's if it's a generational thing or maybe it's all the above, but I more times than not when I'm walking through the offices at my company's headquarters, People just walk by each other. They don't even say hello. I mean, I, I think there was yeah. a time in the workplace where you used to figure, oh, you're a mutual colleague. We haven't met yet. Hey, my name's Rich. I work over in programming. You know, that stuff just doesn't seem to exist anymore. And I don't know if that's generational. I don't know if that's that everybody's walking on eggshells now. Maybe it's all the above. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe everything. I don't know. But I've just noticed that it's an anecdotal observation. Well, I, I think there's a small but measurable effect of tech, definitely. But a big part of that is, so it's worth noting, like, what we're talking about in detail. So, like, diversity, equity, and inclusion is basically the idea that your workforce should be proportionately representative, at least this is how I've encountered it as a boss, regardless of qualifications. So you end up in these awkward conversations, like, do we have too many Asians and not enough blacks or something like that? And generally what goes along with that is the idea that there should be, like, a social scientific level of training in how to quote unquote get along with other people. And it, it's a very negatively focused set of critiques. Like you're often asked to list the racial stereotypes of other people in the office. Uh, whites are lectured a lot about privilege. Blacks for that matter are told that we might be seen negatively because of affirmative action or crime. So you, you bring in people regardless of qualifications and you give them this very racially focused training for a couple of weeks. And the idea I guess is this, this is gonna make people get along better. Because you'll see a diverse office and you'll assume no racism and everyone's qualified or something. But in reality, with like normal IQ staffers, it doesn't work that way. And then you add all the other stuff like Me Too and the doubling of sexual harassment trainings over the years since 2018. Like, obviously, there has to be a lot more focus on walking, what you called walking on eggshells than there was before. Like, I noticed that women, for example, are rare, very reluctant right now to ask men to become mentors because the perceptions were all crazy rapists. And men are very reluctant to kind of extend that hand and ask a businesswoman or a junior academic themselves because the assumption is they'll be seen as creepy or whatever. So you often have people that are in this, don't want to go on too long about this, but they're in this very kind of high school dance mode where they sort of like want to walk over and talk to the girls or go to the Hispanic guy table. 
but they're afraid to. And yeah, that obviously human relationships have gotten a lot worse in recent years. I mean, everyone has a phone. Everyone's scared of getting sued. So yeah, like rates of dating, rates of mentoring, so on, are all way down. Like you could you could measure this stuff. Yeah, and, we, and 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 when you think about that, that, it doesn't sound like a very fun time to be alive. To bring back what you talked about earlier, things in your background, I thank God there were no cameras around when I was in college, no videos, oh, yeah. no. I mean, I, I don't even know what it, what it's like today, but I worry. I, I worry for my son. He's going to be nine tomorrow. You know, I told you, my son. We we adopted him when he was a baby. My son is 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 mixed race. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't care about that. I I know that that uh, some people will 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 argue that I did that just to prove I'm not a racist, but it's not why we did it. But I worry about him because as a young man, he's going to be facing a world where constantly as a guy, he's going to be accused of being just what you just said, a, a, a rapist. And I hate that for him. And I, and, and, and not that I did anything in college that would rise to that level, but what a, what a tough time to be a young male in this country particularly at universities, even though at the same time we're watching all this play out at universities, we're seeing a lot of nutbags who were the very same people that wanted to silence people on college campuses and silence conservatives and shut down speakers and shut down Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager and others and, and comedians too, who are now screaming that their their free speech rights are being trampled upon because they can't have their pro-Hamas uh, rallies on college campuses. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's a lot there. Like, first of all... It, it, now, I don't think that this is as much of a problem. If you go to a normal college, like say the University of Kentucky, as it's presented as being in right-wing media. Like in reality, I go, when I walk through the KSU or the UK campus, I see a lot of people going to what look a lot like frat parties and so on. I, I don't really see like panicked avoidance. College actually is one of the places where rates of dating, sexuality, so on, aren't dropping off for young people. So there's a lot to be said in terms of going to college. There's just... I mean, there's some rational, stereotypical avoidance, like their majors, like gender studies that you probably don't want to go into once we realize what those things are. I mean, right. it might be a good idea not to date people with the triple colored hair and a button that says all women are my sisters. But yeah, like the, <laughs> the change in society definitely hasn't been good for young men. And that is the thing that boosts that also. Like when you said you're very glad they didn't have cameras when you're in college. The percentage of people that have done something like hook up after three drinks in college, which is not considered rape by any actual court of law, by the way, although it is by some colleges, and it shouldn't be, or have been wildly wasted at a party or have done a number of other kind of just a young person, dumb and even fun things is really high. That's probably 90% of people. The issue for young folks now is that there is a record of all that. So you kind of have to be careful about it. Like if you are in a private residence just with your friends and you're partying, quote unquote, pre-gaming before you go out, I mean, you probably shouldn't film all of that. Yeah. yeah. And it no, it's probably... to a lot of other things. Like we've gotten the first wave of politicians who are on OnlyFans now. <laughs> so there was, I mean, there was a political candidate in, I think, North Carolina who turned out to be like the well-known OnlyFans character hot mom experience. And this became an issue in the race because, like, one of her opponent's friends pointed out who this was. And the the question became, like, should this pornographer be a state legislator? So all that stuff on the Internet, I mean, that's going to be permanent. That's going to be out there for a very long period of time. And, yeah, young young guys especially have to keep that in mind. Although I don't think there are that many men on OnlyFans. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I'm not familiar with this site, but uh, but I'll look it up. I'll look it up after the show. I'll I'll take I'll take a I'll check, I'll check it, it for out. First time ever. Kind of- <laughs> uh, what do you make, by the way? There was a uh, speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, Senator Marsha Blackburn subpoenas Jeffrey Epstein's estate, demanding those infamous flight logs. Uh, one of the theories I love best about Jeffrey Epstein was that. In addition to not killing himself, because he didn't, but is that he was an asset for possibly the CIA or some other group where he would get people to these islands, put them into these very compromising positions and then use them or, or blackmail them or have the information to be used. That's one of my, my favorite theories. But I got to think that those it's amazing to, to, to think of the powerful people that would go to that island, even after all of the various accusations that came out about Jeffrey Epstein, and they would still go and they'd party there and they'd hang out. And you got to think there's some people right now who are very, very nervous that those flight logs could actually be made public at some point. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I've, I've heard the Epstein allegations. And I mean, honestly, although it's a bit awkward to say right now, with the Israel support from most people. But I mean, one of the associate organizations he was associated with allegedly was the Mossad. So the idea was that this was this very powerful banker. Um, he knew a lot of wealthy, very corrupt men. And if he could get them in these incriminating positions, yeah, they could become assets for U.S. or Canadian or Israeli intelligence. And no one would be very sympathetic about these, you know, 50-year-old men trying to date date cheerleaders on an island you know um that's quite possibly true i don't i mean that's one of those things that'll never be confirmed until cia and Mossad. i mean the next round of declassification i think in 22 years so maybe we'll see just like i mean people are now tucker carlson bluntly said he doesn't think kennedy was killed by one lone gunman which is you know something the intelligence agencies have obliquely said over and over again so I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's pretty interesting. But the thing with Jeffrey Epstein, very bluntly, is that a lot of people are bad, would be a way to put it, like not at all interested in conventional moral rules, you know, have weird, kinky tastes. I mean, my, my guess would be that most people who partied with Jeffrey Epstein knew exactly what was going on. I mean, there are these girls that are a couple years below the age of consent. There are also older women, if you have more normal interests. There's this island full of drugs and high-end liquor. And if you go there, you'll get to hang out for you know a week or so and forget about your wife and make business deals with Jeffrey. I don't, I don't think anyone was confused. The plane was called the Lolita Express. You know, you, you know what you're getting into. I mean, and we know a lot of the people that went down there. I mean, Bill Clinton did. Right. I don't think Trump went down there. He partied with Epstein in New York, though. So most people at this time, like the, the kid stuff is never cool. But the basic like cocaine, hard liquor, cheat on your wife, I don't think in the 1980s and 90s, that was considered all that exceptional. And when you read biographies of interesting people from P.J. O'Rourke to Howard Stern, from that period, they just described doing this. And if you, like, ask them some questions about it, they get really awkward. But that, that, the whole Me Too thing, none of that existed. So, yeah, people knew exactly what they were doing, and thousands of people went to, to Epstein Island. And yes, of course, we, sh- we should know who they are. And your reactions to that might vary if you knew what 80s and 90s party culture was like. But still, citizens should have a right to know. Citizens should always have a right to know. Let me ask you, you are on Twitter at at Will. Tell me your Twitter handle again. It's uh, at Will, W-I-L, underscore, duh, D-A, underscore, beast, B-E-A-S-T, 630. Yeah. All right. Just got over 100,000 Twitter followers. Excellent. Outstanding. And your your tweets are great. Uh, Are you related at all to Mr. Beast? 
No, um, I've got some love for Mr. Beast, though. Mr. Beast, this is probably where you're going, is currently caught up in a controversy, isn't he? Yeah, because he tried to bring clean water to Africa. What a monster. Yeah, this, to me, really illustrates the uselessness of the whole social justice left. Like, it's kind of like when people first become Catholics and they get really caught up in obscure theological points, and you have that annoying description, more Catholic than the Pope. Wokeism taken to its extremes makes almost everything impossible. Because the idea is that you're supposed to sort of acknowledge power relations and past ethnic conflicts in everything you do. And most people see no moral reason to do this. Like, there's, there's no argument that it makes life better. There are other principles like treat everyone equally that allow you to assume people have experienced some good and some bad things, blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the Mr. Beast case, yeah, Mr. Beast went to Africa. He dug 100 wells. He saved a couple thousand lives probably over the years. And he's now being attacked. Like, there are more negative than positive articles about this. Because the implication is that he's saying black people couldn't help themselves. But, I mean, like, he didn't dig those wills in Atlanta. You know, like, in the countries that he was doing this, in, like, Congo, people couldn't help themselves. That's why they didn't have the wells. So there's, there's, like, the objective real conversation, like, how many kids did he keep alive? And then there's the weirdo social justice conversation, like, does any number of lives justify a power imbalance? Wait, that's an actual thing? Well, yeah, I mean, it's the so the basic the basic idea, all of this comes from Marxism. So putting aside the woo woo economic theory, the the core concept of Marxism is that what looks like fair society is actually set up unfairly to benefit one group, which Marx calls the bourgeoisie. So the reason we have law is to protect the property of the rich. For example, it's not to lock up wife beaters and that kind of thing. And every philosophy to come from the left since Marx, uh, critical race theory just replaces the rich with white people. So all of society is structured to benefit white people. You know, uh, queer theory replaces rich people and white people with heterosexual normal people and so on down the line. And you have other crap like fat studies and so on. But the basic idea is that if you're in one of the oppressor classes, you should, for some reason, it's presented as a moral reason, even though it's not required by religion or law or anything real, you should constantly be aware of the fact that you have more power on average than someone in one of the minority groups. So not only should you not dominate them with your power, although, again, there's no real reason not to. This is just made-up moral philosophy. But not only should you not do that, you also shouldn't humiliate them by showing them they're weaker. That's called being a white savior. So it's actually like when you said, yeah, like I got a black son, I don't really care. You know, I just don't care that much about race. That could be seen as racist by some people because you thought you had to go in there and save some innocent black kid from, you know, the, the crackhead parents he should actually be living with or whatever. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a really coherent theory, but it's like, how dare these white people show us up is a big part of it. How dare these rich people show us up? When men do things like pay for dates, woke people often refer to that as benevolent sexism because it puts the man in a dominant position. You know, blah, 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 but that's why Mr. Beast is getting yelled at for building wells.
for building freaking wells in Africa to bring healthy drinking water to people. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, well, thank you uh, for your time today. It's always a pleasure, always fun, and it just flies by. Dr. Wilfred Riley, check out the book. Pre-order it today. Lies my liberal teacher told me. Uh, oh, before I let you go, though, I'm sure one of those lies that the liberal professors probably told people, teachers, is that Franklin Roosevelt never turned away boatloads of Jews during World War II uh, that were headed for the Holocaust. Because uh, that that's one of the things about history that I feel as if America glosses over. And uh, now that we have a U.S. congressman named Jeff Van Drew who's pushing to increase asylum for Jews in America, uh, it, it is it is worth reminding people that that is a policy that the Roosevelt administration had during World War II. Yeah, and I mean, I, I obviously oppose that policy because the Holocaust was going on. But I mean, in general, Roosevelt's don't come in immigration policy, you know, had some, some things to be said for it. You know, like right now, one of the things we're going to have to do is revamp current U.S. immigration policy pretty soon. I mean, 8 million illegal immigrants and 6 million legal immigrants, you can check these numbers easily, have come into the USA during just the Biden administration. Yeah, so, I mean, four, yeah. 14 million people is more than the population of all, but I think six states. So you can you can avoid being racist, Nigerians and Japanese people, some of our best immigrants. But you can also say this, this is insane. I mean, the USA is a country that began as a majority Christian, majority European, so on state. We don't mind that shifting, you know, 5% every 50 years or something, but this is, is nuts. We don't need a new Illinois every decade. <laughs> Well said. Uh, although we like Illinois, just not Chicago. Great, All right, great, have a great, great rest of your weekend, great, Dr. Great. Riley. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. All right, Dr. Five o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. And speaking of the Grand Hotel KMA.com, they are having an amazing Thanksgiving feast that's going to be happening. Chef David Mills is personally preparing a Thanksgiving spectacular. You will not have to cook. You will love this buffet they're going to do on the fifth floor ballroom of the Grand Hotel of Cape May, uh, where we do our shows, where we do our live shows. And that's also a good reminder for you to mark your calendar because our next live show is going to be on Friday, December 15th. We'll have a great time and we'll have a lot of fun together and it's the last one of the year so make sure you're there for that but if you'd like to get away for the holidays and you don't want to cook then join the grand hotel for their ocean spectacular thanksgiving celebration chef david mills is a fantastic chef and the food is going to be just absolutely wonderful as it always is there plus the camaraderie and anytime you use my name zioli you will save 15 percent off your midweek stay at my happy place the grand hotel of cape may new jersey kids driving you crazy well then take them to the grand hotel because they have a huge indoor heated pool they have a game room and they have hemingway's restaurant right on site so there's a bar there for you uh you'll enjoy it you'll love it the beautiful rooms suites and townhomes wonderful people there to take care of you every single way that they that they can and uh kate may is great it's a beautiful time to go start thinking about the holidays because they go all out for christmas in fact when we do our show there on december 15th we're talking about doing maybe a little christmas 
Christmas Spectacular, a little Zioli show Christmas Spectacular. I'll give you more details on that as we get closer, but they go all out for Christmas in Cape May. And you have the Washington Street Promenade, the outdoor mall. You got the brewery, you got wineries, you got miniature golf, and just there's so much to do in Cape May. It's beautiful. Uh, I love it there, and you'll love the Grand Hotel. So use my name, Zioli, to save 15% off your midweek stays. Always, always book direct with them for the best rates. Just go to GrandHotelCapeMay.com, GrandHotelCapeMay.com, and I'll see you there December 15th. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Rich Zioli. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. chat about um i've been teasing the tucker carlson thing all show but this really infuriates me what happened to ricky vaughn and you know i get i get riley's point which is that when you go after powerful people they come after you the problem though is that in our country we have the first amendment and we are supposed to be allowed to go after powerful people and people in our government the founders they used to have all kinds of very 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 provocative political cartoons they would make about each other uh all the time they had satirical newspapers ben franklin was 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 big into this 
So that's been an American tradition that is now under attack. And if you were dumb enough to believe Ricky Vaughn's tweet at the time that you could text Hillary to this number and vote for her, then you're an idiot. Your vote shouldn't count anyway, in my opinion. It really shouldn't. Well, he sat down with Tucker Carlson over this, and I have a couple clips of this for you. So first of all, here is, his name is Douglas Mackey. That's his real name. And he's about to go to prison, mocking Hillary Clinton on the internet. Here's part one of this where Tucker asks him about the Hillary Clinton mean. Take a listen. Save time, avoid the line, vote from home. And it's got a picture of Hillary Clinton. Text Hillary to this number. Did you make this meme? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't, you didn't create this? No. Where did it come from? I found it uh, on 4chan. Okay, so it was floating around the internet. Yeah, these kind of memes were floating all over the place. And you posted it on Twitter. Why did, what was the point of that? Uh, well, pardon my French, but it was called a post. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a lot at the trial. I testified. Uh, just sort of a joke. Rile up everybody, muddy the waters. And uh, mostly just because I thought my audience would find it funny. Did they? Yeah, absolutely. I find it hilarious. You're obviously from Northern England. You have a very dry sense of humor. Very dry. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed that. So, um, uh, did you get a sense when you posted that 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 was a crime or that it would be perceived as a crime? No. No. Why? Why would he? I mean, who who in their right mind would think that this would you'd wind up in prison in the United States of America for making that meme? And I thought it was hysterical too. And yes, there is an Asian woman who did the exact same thing to Trump voters, telling them to vote on Super Wednesday. I don't want her to go to jail either because she didn't do anything wrong. She made a joke. It was a joking, satirical meme. Again, if you're stupid enough to fall into this, if you if you believe this, that's on you. That's not on me. That's on you. And I'm I'm really tired of people uh, who cannot take responsibility for themselves. There's also no evidence that anybody actually listened to his vote and, and, and to his tweet. And in addition to that, Hillary Clinton lost, but it wasn't like she lost by the 30 people that believed Ricky Vaughn's tweet that they could text Hillary to this number and that would count as a vote. So, you know, give me a freaking break on this. Here is Douglas Mackey talking to Tucker about Hillary's reaction to this. Cut to play this. This is from Hillary Clinton. This is from this April. So long after you were indicted, uh, long after, after you went on trial. And this is Hillary Clinton describing that meme. There was just a trial in Brooklyn where a guy who had been one of the main, I guess he was one of the main people running memes against me in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He went from what you could consider free speech. I mean, both Nancy and I have pretty thick skins. People say all kinds of things about us. But he went you, from Stop that. it right there, first of all. Hang on a second. Hillary Clinton does not have thick skin. She is She's constantly triggered, and she's triggered by this. So she's about to explain why she thinks this guy deserves to go to prison for making a joke. Go ahead. I mean, both Nancy and I have pretty thick skins. People say all kinds of things about us. But he went from that to ha running a very deliberate effort to mislead people about where and how to vote. Yeah. So it went from speech to action meant to subvert the election because thousands of people who they targeted through their algorithms. Oh, I can text my vote for Hillary Clinton. 
So Hillary Clinton, we, I want to deconstruct that in some greater detail in a minute, but it, Hillary Clinton apparently took that very seriously. You were using, using, quote, algorithms to subvert the election with that meme. I don't even really know what she means by that. I don't know how, uh, I guess you post something and it gets taken up into algorithms. I'm not exactly sure. I was surprised that she said that. I Did you have personal algorithms that you used? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, it's just copy, paste, and click a button. Think, think about that for a moment. She's sitting there with the vampiric one, Nancy Pelosi, who in, in, in Hillary's defense, Nancy Pelosi does have very thick skin. Vampires do. Uh, it's impenetrable skin. That's why you have to use a stake to the heart. I'm not suggesting you do that. I, mean, I don't want anyone to interpret this as, as me calling for violence. I'm just saying, historically speaking, vampires have very thick skin because they're undead. So in for Pelosi's perspective, that is true. Now, that skin is easily triggered by garlic. And obviously, this entire thing is satire and i don't mean for anyone to take a stake through the heart of any vampires Uh, some vampires are even good people so i want to be clear on that i'm not calling for violence against vampires of any kind but particularly not against the vampiric one herself but i'm just pointing out the fact vampires have thick skin number two uh this this the idea that you go from speech free protected speech to undermining an election because you told people that they could text their vote and that these people were dumb enough to believe that you didn't stand in the way of the voting place you didn't you didn't you didn't block their cars you, you didn't you didn't go and lock the doors you didn't do anything you didn't take a ballot out of their mailbox like we have we have officials right now who are facing jail time thank god connecticut's a great example where you have that town clerk on video with a garbage bag full of ballots shoving them into drop boxes and the only reason we know this is because a whistleblower came forward and said that's what she was doing and it's her video so without the whistleblower we never would have even known that that's actual election interference you know if, if you if somebody's asking for directions to the polling place and you tell them that make a right instead of a left should you go to prison for that because you because you gave them wrong directions No, of course not. Of course you should not go to prison for that. It's not on you to make sure that people know how to vote. You're not an election official. You're just a person, just a citizen. And if you stand in front of the polling place and block the doors and physically block the doors or do something to sabotage somebody's right to vote, you do something specifically to them that takes away their right for their vote to be counted, well, then, yeah, you've done something illegal. That's not what he did. A smart person would have looked at that and laughed, knowing that you can't text your vote. This is not Dancing with the Stars. This is not some the masked singer. This is the presidential election. If you're dumb enough to believe that, that's on you because it's satire. And it's so obviously over-the-top satire that I don't know how anybody could think this is real speech. And then the FBI raids Douglas Mackey. They raid Ricky Vaughn for putting out this tweet on Twitter. Remember something? They wanted to shut this guy down because he was a troll and they hated him. And I've, I've told you if the government wants to get you, the government will get you. And that's what they did here. They didn't like what he said. They didn't like a lot of things he said. It wasn't just this. It were a lot of things that he said that the, the government did not like. And the Democrats wanted to go after this guy. And they're hell-bent on going after their enemies. And they got a lot of power to do it. They have the power of the police state to do it. So this is the FBI raid. Take a listen. Um, so then what happens? How long were you on Twitter? Um, until 2018. Mid-2018. Oh. Okay. Um, but this criminal tweet is from 2016. 16, okay. November. 
So um, at any point did you think that you committed a crime or that others would think that you committed a crime? No. When did you discover that you were considered a felon by the U.S. government? Uh, well, I had eight to ten law enforcement agents come and lock on my door at 7 a.m. Uh, seven days after Joe Biden was inaugurated. Did you have any warning that this was coming? No, no warning. So what were you doing at seven in the morning? I was sleeping. So you're asleep, you hear a knock, and then what happens? And then the FBI, are you Doug Mackey? Yes. What's going on? Like, I asked them, uh, they said, we have a warrant for your arrest. I said, what for? For what? They didn't tell me until I got to the courthouse. Did they cuff you? Uh, yes. The FBI threw handcuffs on you at your home at 7 in the morning and didn't tell you why? Yes. Did you have any idea why? No, I had no idea. What was going through your mind? Um, I knew that uh, politicians could be vindictive and the federal government sometimes could be influenced by those politicians, but, and I know that they can sort of get very creative with federal statutes. So if I was the enemy of their candidate, then I thought maybe they could cook something up. But this was an entire election cycle later. It was an entire election cycle later. Yes, it was. But that's they're not in a rush here. You know what I mean? If they want to, if they want to come after you, they're not. The time is on their side. It's not on your side. It's on their side. That's the reality here. It's outrageous what this happened to this guy. But we live in a police state. I mean, I don't know what else to say. We live in a police state. Something else I mentioned earlier to you is that in Minnesota, I want, I want you to be very careful about something, and, and that is that a lot of times we hear things and we go, oh, well, that's good, and the issue is resolved. In Minnesota, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, the Supreme Court of Minnesota has come out and said they're not going to remove Trump from the Republican primary ballot in the 14th Amendment challenge. Now, a lot of people who are conservatives breathed a sigh of relief over that. They said, oh, good, Trump's going to be on the ballot. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you look at the Minnesota Supreme Court opinion, all they're saying is we don't have the right to keep him off a party primary ballot. We don't have the ability to keep because the, the government views political parties as, as as private institutions, private groups, basically. And you could be on the ballot as a socialist. You could be on the ballot as a Republican. You could be on the ballot as a Democrat. In a primary, that is an inter-party issue, intra-party issue, where they determine their nominee. And the government views that as they're getting to pick their pick, and they organize it on election day, and there's rules that go along with it. But for the most part, this is, a, this is no different than electing the president of the Kiwanis Club. You know, you have your rules, you have your procedures, you have your following for that, and the Minnesota court is turning around and saying, look, we don't, there's no statute here. That prohibits a major political party from placing on the presidential nomination ballot or sending delegates to the convention supporting a candidate who is ineligible to hold office. So you, you, you have to realize what the court said. They're, they're leaving open the door that Trump is ineligible to hold office. They're leaving open the door. All they're saying is, look, look if, a, if a private political party, because the Republican Party is a private organization... If the Republican National Committee, if the GOP wants to nominate somebody 
who is ineligible to be on the ballot, we don't have the right to stop that. We we don't ha- even if, even though he's ineligible to hold office, if they want to nominate that person, there's nothing in Minnesota law that says we can stop that. There's no error to correct at this stage. Therefore, the court dismissed the case but said it wouldn't stop the challengers from bringing a petition raising their claims as to the general election. This is this is where you go from now a private organization, the Republican National Committee, and their nominating process to the general election. In that sense now, it's very different. In the sense of an actual election, not a primary, but primaries are nominating issues that's you get nominated that's all you you're getting is a nomination you haven't elected anything you know this i'm not telling you anything you don't know you vote in the june primary you vote in the may primary whatever it is all you're doing is nominating somebody if that person gets the most votes they get the nomination according to the rules of the political party and sometimes in some states the political parties do it differently some states will give it to the they'll give the nomination to the uh, the, the top two and they'll have a or they'll have a runoff i mean there's all kinds of different ways they can do things it's it's it varies but you're not electing anybody to something and when it comes to the election though that's different so if the republicans in minnesota nominate donald trump to be the nominee he's not elected to anything yet now the question then is can he be on the general election ballot as a candidate What the Minnesota State Supreme Court is leaving open here is the idea that, no, he can't. They're leaving open the idea that, no, 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 he he isn't eligible to be a candidate in the general election. Because in that sense, then, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, would kick in and say he's barred from being on the ballot in a general election because he's an insurrectionist. Now, that is not true. A, he's not an insurrectionist. But B, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, does not apply to presidents. As I've gone through with you before, it doesn't apply to presidents. But that's the point. A lot of people heard this ruling by the Minnesota Supreme Court, and they said, oh, great, good, Trump's off the hook. He's not off the hook. States like this and others are going to argue that he's ineligible to be on the general election ballot and try to take him off the ballot. Now, it may not matter in Minnesota because Minnesota typically votes blue, although Joe Biden right now only has a two-point lead there. So I would argue it absolutely matters. But imagine if Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, South Carolina, Georgia, imagine if these states turn around and say, Nevada, we are, we are not going to allow Donald Trump to be on our ballot because he violated section three of the 14th amendment he's an insurrectionist that is completely a wrong legal interpretation however i could see those states trying to do that and then what will happen is it's got to go to the supreme court my hope is that the united states supreme court given the fact that you've got very smart constitutionally minded people there will look at the language and recognize that what i've said is accurate and you cannot bar Donald Trump from being on the general election ballot. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli coming right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Oh, oh, oh. 
Check your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.